0: Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Hallelujah. We thank God. In our last session, I was teaching on Christ, the precious stone. Hallelujah. Christ is the precious stone. But I want you to understand that he's not, he's not the only stone. Christ is not the only stone. I explain how He's the stone, for He's the foundation stone, He's the cornerstone, and He's the capstone, according to the scriptures. And He is the stumbling stone and the crashing, grinding, smashing stone. Praise God! Today, I want to continue to show how Christ is not the only stone. Praise God! That sounds so good. Let's go again to 1 Peter chapter two, from verse three. If so be ye have tasted that. The Lord is gracious. You have stated that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming us unto a living stone, to Christ he is a living stone. Coming as, coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Let's look at the uh, Amplified. The Amplified puts it this way. It says that, uh, come to him then. To that living stone. So Christ is that living stone. He said, come to him then, th- to that living stone, which men tried and threw away. They threw away. They tried They said, they don't like this. So they threw away, away, but which is chosen and precious in God's sight. Christ is chosen and precious in God's sight. Verse 5, come and like living stones that talking about we, the believers, he said, come and like living stones, hallelujah, come and like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house. So he said, you come when you come as living stones in King James, it says that, um, ye also as lively stones, the lively stones that means that stones that have life living stones are stones that are alive <laughs> you need to have life in order to be able to live praise god so when you wash this is very important you need to have life now we have to understand that when we read the book of peter in chapter 1 towards the end from verse 23 it says that being born again not of corruptible seed oh but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Oh, so said the word of God is a living seed, okay? It's a seed that lives forever. When you talk about seed, you are talking about agricultural life or vegetable life. Vegetable life. But when you talk about stones, you are not talking about vegetable life. You are talking about minerals. Minerals. So, here he says that... Um, we we that uh, we are born again by the seed of god so when you are born again there's a seed a living seed of god that comes into you verse verse 24 for, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of of man as the flower of grass the grass fades the flower thereof, uh, uh, thereof falls away verse 25 says but the word of the lord watches this endures forever and this is the word by which the uh, by uh, this this is this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you so the word that is oh thank you jesus the word that is preached to you is a word that lives forever it's a living word that is a seed in you when you receive the word so when we receive the word we receive a seed that grows, a seed of life, a living seed into us. So it's not only the fact that it's alive. Oh, the good news is it's also grows. The seed grows, it's alive and it grows. It's living and grows. And then he goes on to talk about, therefore, because of this, verse chapter 2, verse 1, lay aside all malice and, uh, and guile and all guile, hypocrisy, envies, and all evil speakings. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you grow by the word. The word that is a seed, you grow by it. Hallelujah. But you have to desire the sincere milk, the pure milk, the, the, the guess what? the wholesome words, which is pure milk. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you will grow by it. If so be, if if so be ye have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. If you have actually tasted, then you grow in him. When you come to Christ, the word that gets you born again is a living word. Now, watch this. To whom? Talking about Christ. Coming as unto a living stone. Oh, okay. Now he's a stone. Christ is a, a stone, but a living one, a living stone. There's a lot indeed of men. but chosen of God and precious. So he's a precious living stone, as I thought the other time. Then he flips it to us. He said, ye also as living, uh, as lively stones, which is living stones. Let me read from the New King James. Thank you, Jesus. It says that, uh, verse verse five, ye also as living, see King James used the word living stones, as living stones, uh, ye also as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Okay, that's an interesting thing. Living stones are being built up. The stones are being built together into a house. Ye also. So he is a stone for the foundation, for the cornerstone and capstone. And he said, ye also are being built. But um, when I studied my Bible, at what point in time, human beings are not stones. Not, there's no way in scripture where it says that we were made of stones, as. But actually, when you read the scriptures in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it talks about, "And the Lord out of the ground." The dust of the earth. Out of the dust of the earth, the Lord formed man. So, okay, we are not stone. Actually, we are dust. The Greek Hebrew word translated dust. It sounds like something like a far, a, fall, a fall. Okay, a fall. A-P-H-A-R, something like that, a fall. So, we are a fall. That's dust. Some other translations also put it as uh, just loose earth. Loose earth. Dust, so it's not as something rocky, rocky or stony. It's um um uh. It's like it's like debris. We are t- taking the debris of the earth, so it's not stone. We're debris, little little particles, particles of sand t- taken together. So he formed us. So out of the dust, out of the afore of the earth, God, the Lord God formed man. And then for man to live, he breathed into him. He put in the life. When you read the Bible very carefully, I'm about to say something very important. Never forget and remember. When you read the scriptures very carefully, you notice that there are two central motifs of the scripture. Two key things about the scripture. You find out that the scripture is all about life. From beginning to the end. Life, 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 life. Because God is life. That's why we are talking about living stones. Okay, God created man in his image and breathed into him, and he became a living soul. And man started to live. Revelation talks about a tree of life. Genesis talks about tree of life. Life, life, just watch it. The, throughout the scripture, life. The central theme about scripture is life. That's why Jesus said, I came that you might have life. But you are not dead. Yeah, but there's a certain life that you are supposed to have. A life, not living. Lifestyle, no, I'm not talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about life, the zoe, what makes you who you are. What dis- differentiates um, the animals from other things in creation, other inanimate an, in objects. And then what differentiates us from the animals is the type of life we have. That's why there's no life on, on the moon or on Mars Scientists can try. Let them keep trying, but they will find out already. The Bible has already said life can only exist on earth because God formed the earth and put man in on earth. Okay, but now it's one. It's generally about life, and two, building, life and building, life and building, life and building. Life and building. So if you realize all the fathers, the 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 um. The patriarchs, patriarchs, patriarchs who walked with God, they were all builders. But they didn't, they didn't build houses. They only erected tents and built altars. Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, chapter 13, verse 4, chapter 25, 12, chapter 26, chapter 30. Check. They built altars. They built altars. They were altar builders. But when man fell, Genesis chapter 4, when man fell, The first thing he built was a city, not an altar. What is a city? A city is a a place for man to enjoy himself, and man becomes the focus, and man's development and man's activity becomes the focus. So when man fell, in Genesis chapter 4, this uh, Cain, verse 17, Cain went and built a city and called the city after his son, Enosh, Cain was the first, Cain was the first, the Medra, first Medra. And then he built a city. And then after that, Genesis chapter four, men started developing music and ammunition for music. That's for amusement, ammunition and rearing cattle. Cattle for their survival for their sustenance, okay? Cattle for their sustenance. Music for their amusement. They did music, invented music and all the musical equipments and all that. And guess what? For entertainment and enjoyment. So man was thinking about how I'll sustain myself to enjoy and then weapons to protect themselves. So that I don't need God to be happy. I don't need God. Uh, Once I have money, that's fine. Many people, their happiness is all built around the material things and money especially for those of us in the West. That's worldliness. Worldliness is happiness outside of God. Sorting your life. So you are are making sure you are enjoying life outside of God. Number two, worldliness means that you are protecting and sustaining life outside of God. But God is the sustainer of life. He's the keeper of life. And then number three, um, worldliness has everything to do with protecting yourself, saving money, and protecting your own future. You're doing your own investment. Jesus says that store your storehouse. Let store your riches in a a place where thieves cannot come and moths cannot destroy in heaven. Let your treasure be stored in God. Store your treasure in God. Does that mean we shouldn't save? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Seek first the kingdom of God. So there must be a priority. You must prioritize the things of God that for your sustenance and your future. And then do your physical responsibility. Anyone who doesn't work will not eat. So you have to work. Don't say, oh, I'm just, I'm just praying and fasting and then God can take care of me. That is a lazy man. And actually, he's actually breaking the word of God, the law of God. You have to work. All right. So Bible says that God created man and put him in the garden, garden of Eden, Genesis chapter two, to tilt the garden and keep it. So he gave him work to do tilt the garden and keep it keep it. He put him in the garden to tilt it and to keep it. Did you see that? To keep it and to tilt it? It's very important. All right. anyway, so um building so the people falling men build cities. And you know how they used to what they used to build cities they used bricks Genesis chapter 11 verse 1 2 3 it says that and men came and they said that come to, come let, let us make break, bricks and build a city for ourselves the city of babel and they build a tower in the city so they built bricks check then um, they said and let's make a name for ourselves we don't need god we will be fine it's always been like that about among, amongst human government and human we always don't want god unless those who choose to serve God. So when you choose to serve God, you have problems, uh, people who have problems with you, people who don't want God, who have, have problems with you. You shouldn't make their approval your your measuring stick or your yardstick or your guiding lead. The approval of Godless people shouldn't be what you are looking for to determine how you live your life. You, you, your God's approval and pleasing, Jesus said that, that he who sent me is with me, John chapter 8, four, uh, chapter 5, verse 28, 4, 28, somewhere there, 8, he said, he who sent me has not le- left me, he's with me, he's always with me, hasn't left me, why? Because I do the things that please him. In, in Romans, sorry, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul, Paul said that if I seek to please men, I will not be a servant of God. If you seek to some people, want, you want people just to be happy. You want many likes on social media. And so you are putting, posting things that you know will not honor God and bring glory to God. You are doing things so you can have more likes. You can have the approval of people. Don't seek the approval of people. In Luke chapter 6, 26, it says that woe, woe, woe betise you. Woe, Jesus said, woe are you if all men speak well of you. If you are seeking the popularity, you are likely to miss God. You are likely to miss God. That is what has affected churches. Many churches are dying and have died because they want to fit in to society and community. Does that mean we shouldn't fit in? That's not our priority. Our priority is fulfill and please God. And then however God wants to use us, he'll do that. Amen. Coming back to the point I'm making, it's building. So when you study the Bible very carefully, build, 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 building. Man was called to for God's building. But man, when man fell, he started to build his own building. So they built cities. There's no godly person in the Bible who built cities in the Old Testament, as an example. Because Bible says that Abraham built tents in Genesis. Right, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, 10, 11. Bible says that he lived in tents, okay, with uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob, the heir of the same, the same, heirs of the same promise. And verse 10 says that for he sought a city that had foundation. They sought a city. They were looking for a city. Which builder was God? Ab- Abraham was looking for a city. Even though he grew up in the area of Babel, modern day Babylon, or sorry, modern day Iraq, Iran. That's what B- Babylon was. Babel, Tower of Bebel. Abraham was called from the earth of heirs of the Chaldees, that's the, the, uh, Iraqi Iranian territory. He was called from there. That's where he grew up. It was a godless environment those days. It was a godless environment. It was an environment that hated God. That made man. It was man centered environment. Satan was using that. So Abraham was called from there. And Bible says that he sought a city. He was looking for a city. But that builder must be God. God is the only one who can build. Psalm 127. Except the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain that build it, Except the word the Lord watches. So God is a builder. He said, uh, Except the Lord builds. So Abraham looked for a city that had foundation, whose builder and maker was God. He had he looked for Abraham, Isaac, the same. So they didn't, they only built tents. Even though they were living in the promised land, they didn't settle. They built tents. Now watch this. They, they only erected tents and built altars. Genesis chapter 13, I says that he, he, he called on the name of the Lord. He built an altar, verse eight, seven and eight. And Abraham built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. Built an altar. Called. So when people, the falling world was building cities, Abraham was building an altar. They, uh, Noah built an altar when he came out of the ark. The first thing he did was to build an altar. He built an altar and gave sacrifice to God. Genesis chapter 9 or chapter 8, the, towards the end of chapter 8. He built an altar. Eh, I pray that God will help us to be altar builders. Now, what what's the point here? So the Bible is about life and building. Now, he Bible, back to we were created as dust. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7, it talks about how we are dust. We came from the dust. In Psalm 103 verse, verse, verse 14, he said God himself knows that we are frail and we are dust. We are of the earth. He knows. We are not stones. We are weak. We are frail of the earth. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, God told them, told Adam that from the sweat of your brow you shall eat from the ground. From from which you are taken, and he says that for for dust thou art, and dust 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 you are, and you shall return to the earth as dust. And in the, in the Genesis chapter three verse twenty three, Bible says that God drove the man out of the garden of Eden, out of the garden to go and uh, out of the garden uh, into the earth. Uh, the, for he was of the earth, uh, outside there to till the ground. For he was of the. He took him. That's where you come from. Go go out of the garden. So what I'm trying to say is that man is dust. God made a, in. I think in the book of Job, Job chapter 10 verse 9, 4 verse 19, it talks about how man is out of the dust. 10 verse 9 talks about how man was made out of the dust. Actually, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 47, it says that the first man, Adam, was earthly and it was of the earth and was earthly. And some translation said, was dust was made of dust, of the earth. So he picked us from the earth, the first man, Adam, we came from the earth. So now in, in Romans chapter 9, verse 21, it talks about how, watch, this is very important. It talks about how God, if God, okay, he created us. If God, the porter, he represents God as a porter. The porter can choose to make anything out of the clay. So he can make one clay to as as uh, maybe um, as a jar, drinking jug, and he can make another play, uh, clay into a plate. He made it into a plate. The clay cannot say, "Why are you making me this?" That's what he's trying to say. So he was using that to say, "God made us a certain way. God has made some of us as." As vessels of honor or vessels of mercy, and others have been made as vessels of wrath. Who who are you to question the potter? Who is the clay? I think there's 18 or so. Who, who are you, clay, to question the potter why he has made me thus? So we are actually clay. We are not stones. That's what I'm trying to say. We are not stones. So since when did we become stones? And now you are also living stones. We are not stones. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? We are not stones. When did we become stones? Uh, in John chapter 1. Verse 42, when Peter, Jesus saw Peter, Jesus said that uh, he gave him a name. He said, let me read it. Okay. I think I'll, this one will be very helpful. In John chapter one, verse 42, it says that I'm reading from the King James, King James and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, this is talking about um, um, Andrew. Andrew Peter's brother and Andrew Andrew finds Peter he's called Simon okay Simon Peter he finds Simon Peter verse 21 his own brother and said to him, we have found the Messiah um, which is being interpreted the Christ and Jesus and he brought Peter or Simon to Jesus and when um when Jesus beheld him he said you are Simon Simon son of Jonah Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. He said, You are Simon, you'll be called st- a stone. Yeah. So when we come to Jesus, he used Simon Peter because he Simon Peter started, or was the first person to pronounce to speak the revelation of who Christ was to Jesus in, in his human life. Jesus' human life. So Simon was like a prototype. He was the first amongst others. Okay, not actually a prototype. He's, 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 a, he's like a forerunner. So Jesus used him as an example. So when we come to Jesus, the point I'm trying to make is when we come to Jesus, he declares us as stones. When you become born again by the seed of God's word, that's where I'm going. the seed, the seed that gets you born again, that seed, which is the word of God. When it comes into you, he, Jesus Christ as the word of God, who is the living stone begins to make you, makes you a stone, begin to use like you are a stone in the presence of God, a spiritual, a lively or a living stone. So physically you might not look like that, but Satan spiritually knows he can't, he can bite you. Why? Because you are a stone. Hallelujah. We are stone. Satan can't bite us anyhow. We are the only, only created beings on earth that Satan can handle. Every other creature, Satan can mess easily. Uh, we are the only ones who Satan can handle. Who are the we I'm talking about? We those who are in Christ. Because if you are not in Christ, you don't have the life of God. And the life of God is what makes you a stone, a living stone, because we are all created as dust, as earth. But once you are in Christ, you are no more, you are not an earth, or you are not just clay, you are, guess what, you are a stone, a clay that has become a stone. And I'll show you the purpose of us being the stone. So in in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, when they came to verse 13, Caesarea Philippi, Philippi, sorry, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say I am? And then they said, some said, you are John the Baptist, Elijah, and all that. I said, who, who do you say in Bible? Bible, Simon Peter, verse 16. Simon Peter opened it up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, then it's like, like between Peter and anyone who says that to Jesus, Jesus will also say something to you. Every time you discover who Jesus is, he will tell you who you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anytime you come close to Jesus and discover who he is, then that's when he will reveal who you are to you. You don't know who you are until you are in Christ. You don't know what your, the purpose for your living until you are fully in Christ. You don't know what you have been assigned to f- accomplish on earth until you are in Christ. You might be doing some great things, but still you are misplaced until you are in Christ because in him we are complete. Colossians chapter um, two, verse 10. In him, we are complete. In him, we are we are complete in him. Hallelujah. And so he said, Simon Peter, I tell you the truth. You are, you, uh, is that you are Simon? Uh, so you are Peter. And upon this rock, you are Petrus, okay Matthew chapter 16 says that um, Simon Peters answered and said you are son of God uh, son of the living God and then Jesus answered Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon by Jonah, the flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father in heaven look at verse eighteen that's where the meat is the first time the church was mentioned in the Bible it was from Jesus' own mouth, and after a revelation has been given about him being the messiah he um, says and I say unto you, thou art art Peter. Do you see that? Look at verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Simon is his original name. But he turned and said, Cephas, which is Peter. You are Cephas, Peter, upon this rock. Peter means a little rock. A very tiny rock. It's not a massive bull bull rock. Okay, a boulder. It's just a little, uh, like, uh, uh, which is different from dust okay, or clay, he's actually rock, or a, 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 a stone, more, more so a stone, but a bigger solid stone, almost like a rock, so he says that you are Peter, and upon this rock, now, you are little rock, when you read the Greek, it really talks about you are a tiny rock, a piece of a rock, but upon this rock, so like you are stone, Okay, you are stone, but upon this rock. So that this rock is not talking about Peter, because I was talking to Peter. I said, You are Simon. When Peter said that, he said, Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed, watch this, has not revealed, let me read, verse 17, that as Simon, by Jonah, Simon, by Jonah, by Jonah, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you. Okay, unto thee. So what you just spoke, it wasn't flesh and blood that gave it to you. But my father in heaven, he says that you you are Peter, you are a little rock, a little stone. Upon this rock, upon this revelation you have confessed, upon what has come out of your mouth, upon this rock will I build my church. So I am going to build my church on this revelation, on this rock, on this revelation. So the revelation, watch this, the revelation about Christ is the foundation of the church this is so important of the church the building of this spiritual house the revelation of Christ this is so important okay so don't forget that because i may not come back to this so the revelation about Christ the revelation that what we get what gets revealed to us about when you get to know jesus Oh, Jesus, it, is, it becomes the, the, the foundation. It becomes the platform for your being built in the church. So he said, upon this rock, watch this, I will build. I told you the Bible is about building. God is a builder, but he builds a city. Okay, he's building his own city. Men also try to build their own thing. But he said, upon this rock will I, Jesus. Oh, Jesus for the first time reveals himself as a builder, declares himself as a builder, manifests himself or he makes it clear to others that I am a builder and I'm going to build my church, there's nothing I'm building but the church. Hallelujah. There's nothing I'm building but the church. Oh, okay. I told you earlier on that the world and fallen humanity under the influence of the devil build cities, but they use bricks. How do you get bricks? Take the soil, the soil that God took to make man. Take that same soil and now burn the life out of it. When you bend the life out of it, you will get bricks and use it to build city. So, Satan will take normal human beings, human beings that is the soul, and work out any sense of godliness out of you. That is why our uh, uh, the world is so ungodly. The, and the more you want to be like the world, the more you can be like God. The more you want to be like the world, the more you want... That's why I can't understand when church, a church... Or when Christians or uh, Christian organizations, churches want to look so much like the world we are supposed to be sought to. We want to look so much like the world. It's called Pergamos or Titeria. The Church of Titeria, the Church of Pergamum or Pergamos. We are so worldly that when you come to church, you don't reveal. Actually, sometimes you don't see when you are moved from world to church, or you are moved from church to world, because the church and the the church and the world are operating on, on an open plan system. Open plan system. They have become allies. When the church becomes an ally to the world, it's like the church has gone to bed with the world. It says that the 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 halots. The harlot who commits fornication with the kings of the world. Revelation chapter, is it 17 or chapter 18, verse 1 to 3, somewhere there. He says, the great harlot, verse 7, chapter 17, the great harlot, and then chapter 18 talks about how the, a woman was sitting on the horse. He said, the great harlot, the, Babylon the great, is the harlot who commits fornication with the kings of the world. The kings, the key makers, the key makers, the, the, the opinion leaders, the church should not come to a place where our desire is to be in agreement with the opinion leaders, or for the opinion leaders for us to adapt so much that opinion leaders, kings, politicians. F- I'm not saying politicians are not Christians. No, 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 I no, are not Godly people. I'm talking largely, okay, worldly leaders, worldly I- influences, stars. So if you are if you want to do well in Hollywood sometimes you have to be careful you don't identify yourself to, as a very clean clear pure christian if you want to do well well in in anything in in uh, in the world you you can Put your foot out as a very strong and a genuine Christian because the world hates the Christians. According to Jesus' own words in John chapter 15, verse 17, 18, 19, he says that don't be surprised that the world hates you because if they hated me, they will hate you. They will hate, they cannot like you. See, so when we begin to change, adapt, so we can look appealing to the world, we begin to lose our saltiness. And Jesus said, ye are the salt of the world or the earth. If a salt, Matthew chapter five from verse 14, if salt loses its saltiness, it is good for nothing. That is why a lot of churches lose relevance in our societies and our communities. You know, some of us have, Dentures or teeth, that is not real (laughs) teeth. Or wig. Sometimes you can take off the wig, but you see, you think it's hair, it's not hair, it's wig. Okay, so what am I trying to say? when we begin to want to go into alliance, agreement with the world, we lose our saltiness. So we look like church, but we are not church. We are not relevant. Our assignment, what God, God cannot use us to impact the world because we have lost our saltiness. So he said, when a lo- when salt loses its saltiness, it is good for nothing. That is why a lot of churches don't have any significant impact. So the first hair is just to make us look like you have hair. You actually don't have hair. The, what, the point of making this, we are trying to look good in the sight of men so that they think that church is relevant to our society. But guess what? We are not relevant to our society so long as our assignment and purpose, the purpose of the church is to change society. The purpose of the church is to impact society with the principles of God to the glory of Jesus. For Jesus to be seen is to preach the gospel, is to live the gospel, is to demonstrate the gospel, is to save the lost and to build the house of God that is the purpose of the church. It is not to make political comments. Is it wrong? Maybe. It depends on how the one to take it. It is, not, it is not for us to do all the nice things that make people think that we are good. It's, it's not bad, but that's not the primary assignment. If we just focus on charitable works, which is necessary for a church to do, I'm not saying it's wrong, which is necessary for it. But there's something better a church can do, which no other organization can do. Snatching people from hell. Snatching people from going to hell. Saving people. Preaching the gospel. No other organization can do that. No other organization. And it can only be done by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that is the church, the job of the church. And whilst we do that fundamentally, we do other things too no other person or no other organization can save people from going to hell. No organization, just by the church. Now, if we leave that and start doing what other organizations can do, start doing what, focusing on all that's all we do is organ out what organizations can do. Do you know that? Can you understand? Can you understand that we are not being faithful to the the generation and the community we so-called want to impact? Back to... Back to the point I'm I'm making. So he said, flesh and blood, and I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. You are stone." But... We were not created stones, But when we come into Christ, Christ makes us stones. We become stones for the building. Watch this. Stone for what? For the building of God's house. The purpose of the stones is for building. God's house is not built. I keep saying this. The church, which is the house of God, is not built by Bricks. Now, now, not the physical house. David wanted to build a physical house. That's why he became David. And God said, because you have desired to build a house for me, I'm going to make you the father of the one who built the house, the Messiah, the father of the Messiah, because man can build God a house. It's always everywhere. It's replete in scriptures. In um, in Acts chapter 7, verse, I think, 44 to 48, it talks about, but man that God does not dwell in buildings make my hands in Acts chapter 17 when Paul at Mass Hill verse 24 he says that but the most high does not dwell in buildings make man cannot make a building so when David said I'll build your house God said David you've tried no one has ever pro- desired to build me a house that means that at that time God was homeless God has always been homeless until Jesus died on the cross <laughs> so on earth, he has always been homeless on this earth, has never had a place where he can stay, he can rest because nobody can build for him. He has to build his own house, and the builder of God's house is the Messiah. So, when Peter said, How is it going to build? when Peter said, You are the Christ, Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. And then, so now he starts building in Genesis chapter 28, verse 19. Bible says that, uh, this is talking about Joseph. When he slept, okay, he used a stone. And the first time we saw anybody trying to build for God, build a house or mention the house of God, Bible says that he had only one stone, Jacob, I'm sorry, Jacob. So when he woke up from his sleep, do you know what he did? He took it, verse 19 says that they used the stone, which he has used for pillow, he used it and built it turned it into a pillar and called it the house of God, Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. That's Jacob. He was the first to attempt to build for God. And how did he do? By revelation, he used a stone. Verse 22 says that, and he poured oil on that stone and he said, this is the house of God. So the house of God is built with stones. The house of God is built with stones. So now, back to the where we started. We are stones. So Bible says that um 1st Peter chapter 2 verse Thank you Jesus. 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 5 he he also uh, as living stones our lively stones are being built into a spiritual house. Oh, oh, okay. Why are we stones for the building of God's house. So as I told you, God Jesus told uh, uh, Peter or uh, told Simon. Simon, you are sefas which means a stone. When we come to Him and it comes into us, He makes us living stones. Hallelujah! For what purpose? For the building of God's house. So in First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine, it says that um, we we are laborers together with God. Watch this. God is building. I said it. God is building. He so said we are laborers together with God. You are God's. Uh, uh, has, you are God's building. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 39, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You, the congregation, say you are God's building. And we, the preachers, we, the teachers, we are working with God in building. How does God build? Through the teaching. To the teaching, so as we are teaching, the stones are being put together, the stones are being put together, the stones are being put together, the stones are being put together not into a natural house but into a spiritual house, so we are stones, we are living stones for a spiritual house, we are living stones' it's there's it's there first first Peter chapter two verse five. Ye also, as living stones, are being built into what? A spiritual house. A spiritual house. We are living stones. Jesus Christ is the living stone, precious, very precious, in a, a unique one. But we are also living stones being built into a precious, uh, being built into a, a spiritual house. And we are being built in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. That is that is a serious one. Ephesians chapter 2. I like I like Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 verse, let's start from verse 19. Now therefore ye are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, watch this, watch this, and of the household of God. You are fellow citizens of the house of God. Household of God. God has a house. Okay, very important. And you are fellow members of uh, of the household of God. Look at verse 20. And are being built up. Oh, sorry, being built. We are being built. I told you. We are being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We are being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation. But pastor, you were the one who quoted Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 that I, for I lay in Zion a, a, a foundation stone, a sure foundation. Yeah, so Jesus is the foundation. So, But here it says that we are being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I'm glad you asked. I've mentioned it before, but I'm I'm glad you are wondering and I want to also explain it. It said Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So which one is the foundation of the apostles and prophets? It's not Peter as the stone. That stone that Jesus said, "You are upon this rock. I'll build my church. Upon this rock, that the foundation I'll build my church." He's talking about the rock of the revelation concerning Christ. This is important. Please don't miss this. The revelation concerning Christ. When we say revelation, talking about the revealing. The let me use this in a very loose sense. The the okay in the revealed information. Okay, the, dis, the not discovered but revealed, unveiled. Okay, the unveiled information, just in a lesson, but it's a revelation. It's like, oh, now I see, now I know. Oh, wow, wow. The wow discovery about the original, the the real Christ, the truth about Christ. is called the word of truth, and it's communicated by the word of truth. That discovery is what it becomes the revelation. Okay, that is the revelation. And the revelation is the foundation. The revelation is the, 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 uh, the revelation concerning Christ is the foundation, is the, the foundation of the church. Now, Jesus said, I'll build the church on this foundation, this revelation. But now, guess what? He says that... The foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Why the apostles and the prophets? You don't need to miss this. This is very important. In the first place, the prophets they had just simple job. The job of the prophets was to declare or um, well, not, not watch this, not only to predict. Okay, they're not only to predict, but they revealed the mind of God and spoke the mind of God into people. So the prophets were declaring. And in 1 Peter, uh, in, in, okay, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 13, it says, the prophets prophesied unto John. The law and the prophets, they prophesied. So everything in the Old Testament is summarized or is represented by the law and the prophets. And it that the Old Testament prophesied unto John. Everything a prophet was saying, they prophesied. They are speaking forth, speaking forth, speaking forth, unto John. And so in other words, before Jesus was manifested, he was already being spoken about in Revelation chapter 19 verse 10, 10 C, the last bit, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the, is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. So the heart of prophecy, the heart, when you are prophesying, the core, what makes prophecy true prophecy of God is the testimony. This thing is talking about Jesus. Anything that doesn't talk about Jesus is not true prophecy anything that does not is not rested on Christ, is Christ centeredness is not true prophecy all the all prophesy, prophecies prophecies crystallizes into in Christ, culminates in the testimony of Christ. That's the, the core, the heart behind the prophecy. The spirit of a prophecy is the testimony about Jesus. So when they all prophesied, they were all talking about Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 13, it says the, the law and the prophets, the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. The, the, the prophets and the law were unto John. They prophesied unto John. Then he said, after that, in Matthew, in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, similar thing. He said, the Lord and the prophets were unto John. And then, afterwards, since that time, the kingdom of God is being built and people must press into it by force. So now the building starts. Luke chapter 16, verse 16. Uh, Prophets keep prophesying, 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 prophesying. Until John the Baptist, and John the Baptist means that the 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 the, the, the um, showing forth of Jesus the declaration of Jesus, when Jesus was revealed, the revela- revelation of Jesus. Okay. And then, so John Luke 16, 16, it says that the law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone, so we rebuild the kingdom through the preaching, as I said, is being preached and everyone presses into it, the kingdom, the kingdom. So now, when I say that it's built on the foundation of the prophets, all the things the prophets said, the prophets, everything they said was about Christ. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter chapter 1, verse 9, it talks about which salvations the prophets, the angels, desire to look into, which the prophets prophesied. As they prophesied, they were wondering, verse 9, 10, and 11. First Peter, let me go back to it. First Peter, chapter 1 verse verse 9 receiving the end of your verse 10 says that of which salvation the, the the salvation the prophets have inquired and said diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you so they are prophesying the grace that should come to us but they're wondering well, what are we talking about look at the next verse searching what and what manner of time the spirit of christ that was uh, which was in them did signify. The, the, Elijah, when he was prophesied, it was the spirit of Christ who was towards him that was signifying about the church, the coming building of God, the coming building the spirit. So they were wondering, this thing is going to be glorious, but they couldn't see. The Bible says that it was hidden in Christ. Uh, sorry, it was hidden in God from the beginning of the fact. This is called a mystery that was hidden in God. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, and then Roman, uh, uh, and in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, I think the same 26 that, that talks about the mystery there's a Christ in you the the, the hope of glory this mystery but in Re- in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4 and 5 he says that this thing has been hidden this revelation the mystery of this revelation if you listen to what I'm preaching you understand the the mystery of this my revelation we said which has been hid in God but now in, the, in times past was not revealed to men, okay? It wasn't revealed to the sons of men, but now has been revealed by his spirit to the, his prophets and apostles. So it takes the prophets and apostles to be able to actually speak the revelation of Christ. So the, the prophets in the, in the old, they, they, their job was to predict or speak about the coming of Christ. And guess what? The apostles apostles, they come and declare him. He's here. He's here. The prophet said, "He's coming. He's coming." The apostle said, "I declare him." So in in Colossians chapter one verse twenty eight, it said, "Him we proclaim. We proclaim." And watch. This is very important. Let me t- permit me to go further into this a little bit. In Ephesians chapter one verse thirteen, it talks about which you are saved through the word of the word of truth, which you heard. Okay, so when the, you can't be saved without hearing the teachings from the apostles or the teachings that started from the apostles, apostles became, became witnesses of Christ in Luke chapter 24, verse 46, 47, 48. Jesus told them that how it, the prophets have prophesied or the scriptures have said that Christ must suffer these things, must go through all this, and suffer, be crucified, and then resurrect, and then, the, and then repentance will be preached watch this repentance be preached in his name to all men for salvation this then the verse 40 says that unto these you have been appointed as witnesses what witness that christ this is what the prophet spoke about christ so you go and say that we are witnesses this is the christ that prophet spoke about he's here he died he resurrected and he saves and in acts chapter Two, verse thirty-two. He said, "We are witnesses of these things. Talk about. They say they're witnessing the fact that Christ is the pro, is the one the prophet spoke about. Didn't you remember when I read in in Luke chapter, John chapter one? He says that we have found him of whom the prophets Moses and the prophets spoke about. John chapter one, from verse thirty-nine. We have found him. They found uh, they, when they saw Peter. When Andrew saw Peter, he said, "We have found him of whom the prophet spoke about." the prophets, the Moses and the prophets spoke about So they are speaking about him. Now now you go and testify that he is the one. He is the one. In Acts chapter Ten, verse thirty-nine. He says that, and God has appointed witnesses to witness. uh, He was revealed to witnesses who are supposed to testify. Verse forty-one. The same thing. He was revealed to witnesses who are supposed to testify. They're supposed to tell people. In Acts chapter five, verse thirty-two, he says that we are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of the resurrection. We can't do anything but to witness. We are telling the truth. The things we have seen. They, these are witnesses. They are supposed to go and declare to declare to all men. That Christ is alive. Hallelujah. In First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15, it says that if Christ did not resurrect, then we will be false witnesses. We'll be found to be false witnesses. That tells you the quality, the kind of witness they were given. Their witness was about their gospel. Their witness about was about Christ died, resurrected, uh, died, buried, and resurrected. About the gospel. Now the gospel becomes the foundation. Hey, hallelujah. Jesus said, Upon this rock, oh, the revelation concerning Christ. I feel like preaching now. Oh. Thank you, Lord. he that, that the revelation concerning Christ becomes the foundation of the church. You can't be in church. You can't be a Christian if you don't know Christ. I dare tell, challenge anybody who says they're Christian. Show me who is Christ. If you don't know Christ, you don't know that he died for our sins. He was buried. He resurrected on the third day, ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. If you don't know that about Christ, that he was born of the Virgin Mary... Uh, Conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. If you don't know this about Jesus, you are not a Christian. You are not. You are not part of the church. You might be a member in some church, but you are still not part of God's church. You are, and you are not part of His building. You are not part. The church is the building of God. The church is. Oh man, I feel like preaching. Boy, forgive me. I'm getting very excited. So the gospel is the witness they gave about the resurrection of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1 verse, verse 5, it talks about if you have heard, you know, the word of which you have heard, which has saved you. So it talks about, actually, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 talks about the gospel of your salvation which you heard. So it takes the gospel to be saved. There can't be salvation outside of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ. His, his birth, his virgin birth, his sinless living, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And that's what it takes to be saved. That's what without that, no one can be saved for there's no name, no name given amongst men, Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, there's no name given amongst men, no other name given amongst men, by which we might be saved, for the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief stone of the corner. Praise God. And so they, they, they were witnesses. They, they gave witness. They gave witness. In in Acts chapter 3 verse 15, they, they declared themselves that we, they are witnesses. And what is even beautiful is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said, And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon, me and upon you, and you shall be... Oh my God, thank you, Lord. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. (laughs) Hallelujah. In all Judea, in Samaria. And he said, To the uttermost. He said, You shall be witnesses. Witnesses. So he was talking to the apostles. So the witnesses the apostle gave is what is called the gospel of salvation. You cannot be in the church. You cannot be part of the church outside of the foundation. And the foundation is the revelation about Christ, which is called the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ, his work and his person. That's the gospel. And that is what committed to the apostles to proclaim and declare, which the prophets were always talking about. They spoke about nothing but what the coming Messiah. Hallelujah. And so now quickly, When he says that, Ephesians, again, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, um, and are built, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom watch this, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows, the building is growing, the building is growing, what building is talking about? The building, the holy or the spiritual building, this spiritual house in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a, watch this a habitation, that's that's godless, where God godless? A habitation of God through the Holy Spirit we are being built together as a house of God, now anytime you hear that phrase, the house of God. The first person who ever mentioned it in the Bible was Jacob. When he had the revelation of heaven and he woke up and he took the stone and he built, erected something and said, this is not a place, but this place is the house of God. You can't have house of God without the building, uh, bringing stones together. That's why the church could not be built until Jesus Christ died, resurrected, and he can come into us as the precious living stone. And then when He comes to us, into us, we are no more just ordinary clay but we become stones for the building of the building of God's house. Remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it talks about if anyone builds upon this house, gold, silver, precious stone, wood and hay, those things, you can't use it to build the house of God. Gold, silver, precious stone. Precious stone, you see, precious stones. We are precious stone for the building of God's house. And so he says that, back to First Peter chapter, chapter 2, he says that you yourself also as living stones have been built into a spiritual house. Because of my time, I won't be able to go further. But we are being built into a spiritual house. When we talk about the house of God, in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says that I've written these things to you so that you know how to, you ought to conduct yourself in the church of the living God, which is the house of God. That you know how to conduct yourself in the church of the living God. First Timothy. I pray somebody's getting something. Oh, thank you. I love to talk about the word of God. I love to talk about the church of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now watch this. It says that uh um first Timothy chapter three Verse 15, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to, how thou oughtest to behave thyself where? In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the grounds of truth, the truth. So the house of God is the church of the living God, praise the Lord. The house of God is the church of the living God. The house of God is the church of the living God. So what is the house of God? When we talk about the church, it's not just a building somewhere, it's a spiritual house by the church of the living God. And what are the building components of the spiritual house? Nothing but, but the stones, and the living stones. And we are the living stones. We who are born again, we who are in Christ, we are living stones being built together into a spiritual house. The living stones being built together into a spiritual house, a habit, a holy habitation of God, a holy place of God. Where So God, who has always been homeless since Adam, homeless since Abraham, homeless since Moses, homeless since David. David said, I want to build a house for you. He said, wow, you think about me like that well david you won't build the house you can build but your son will build it for me that's why jesus had to jesus didn't have a choice but had to be the son of david jesus had to be the son he was the son of the living god that's what peter was talking about he says that who do you say that i the Messiah, the Christ. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But everybody in the Old Testament knew that the Christ is going to be a son of David. So that one, the human side, it was settled. The human side was settled. uh, In fact, today when I was uh, reading my Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think today we read chapter 3, isn't it? Uh, I think, I, I read chapter 2 again. I saw something that is interesting. There's a place where I saw, yeah, verse 8, chapter 2, rather verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You see, you see the gospel. The gospel, there's no gospel. How can people are preaching a gospel without resurrection? How can people are preaching a gospel without crucif- crucifixion? How come people are preaching a gospel without the virgin birth? It's not gospel. If the, the gospel doesn't have the virgin birth, it's not gospel. If he doesn't have the crucifixion, it's not gospel. If he doesn't have the resurrection, it's not gospel. And the ultimate of the gospel is for the building of the church. So we preach and we teach. And as we are teaching, the church is being built. The church is growing. The, holy, the, the house of God is growing. It's growing. It's growing. So Jesus Christ was the son of David. He had to be a son of David. Why? Because David, it entered his heart. that, I want to build for God. I want to build a house for you. Homeless God on earth. I want to build a house for David. God said, David you thought about me like this I will, I will secure your future the one who is going to build my house will be your son cause human being can build but I one day me myself i'm going to descend as a human being to build because of that i'm going to come through your through your line your lineage that's why jesus is the seed of david the seed of david to come and build and when i'm coming and so when jesus came peter said you are the, the the messiah you are the christ the son of the living god and jesus said hey peter you, there's no human being that knows this because he asked the scholars that the Christ whose son is he in Matthew chapter 22 verse 41 said the Christ whose son is he and they said he's the son of David he said if he's the son of David which they, they were right how come David calls him my Lord David said for this, he said the Lord said to my Lord so David was calling but in Jews a t- um, father cannot call his son Lord. So they were confused. They didn't know the answer. What they didn't know was that, that Christ was the son of David and he was the son of God because God promised David in First Second Samuel chapter, um, chapter 7, verse 12, 13, and 14, particularly verse 14. He says that, uh, verse, four, verse 12 says, when you die, I will raise your son after you. And then verse 14 said, he will be my son. Uh, but you said it's David's son. Look, verse 12 said David's son. But verse 14 said, he will be my son. So whose son is he? Is he God's son or David's son? He's the son of both. He's the son of God and the son of man. He's the son of David and, and, and he's the, son, the son of his father. Hallelujah. So that so when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that's the first time anyone could hear that God can have a son. Yes, that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, once you get this, that I'm the son of God, the living God, I upon this church, upon this rock, upon this revelation of the apostles and the, what the prophets have always been indicating, I'll build my church. And again, of hell cannot prevail against the church. So guess what? We are the living stones. Once we come in, being built upon the foundation of the, our foundation is Christ Himself. Okay, built, and but the foundation of the building is the revelation about Christ. Okay, and being built into a spiritual house, we are living stones. Stones that are alive. We are, have life because we are born by a living seed. Seed that born, turned us into stones inside us. And Christ himself, the living, the living stone, is also inside us, very precious. And we, as the living stone, have been built in, into a spiritual house. A spiritual, what's the spiritual house? The church, the house of God, is about building. God started with a garden and is going to end with a city called the New Jerusalem. We thank God for using His servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at karis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.